what's the point of being brave? What's the point of sharing your story? Well, we think it is the point. Hi, I'm Liza Jean, a certified Enneagram coach and the founder of Living Simply Brave. Hi, I'm Megan Lynn, communications expert and founder of Voice Your Story. And together, we are Voice Your Brave Story, an Enneagram Journey podcast. A place to dive deeper into inner work to explore how we experience our stories through the foundation of the Enneagram and hear the brave journeys of everyday people who have faced trials along the way. Welcome back. What's your brave story listeners? We're glad you're here with us today. I'm Megan Lynn here with Liza Jean. Um, and as we talked about last week, if you got a chance to listen to us last week, we introduced um, some pretty key elements about the Enneagram and about each number. So we talked about the core motivations of each number. And then we started talking about the centers of intelligence. If you are just now joining us, I highly encourage you to go back and listen. We did a pretty big intro in that one um, just to kind of help you understand what that means and where we're coming from with it. So, um, so if you, if you want to understand that further, um, invite you to go back. But for those of you that got a chance to listen to that, we're just going to pick straight up from where we left off. So last week we talked about those in the gut center. So we talked about types eight, nine, and one. And this week we're going to talk about the heart center. So we're going to talk about types two, three, and four. Um, and so Liza, I want you to go in and kind of tell us like, what does that mean to be in the heart center? So last week we learned about the gut. That's where like eight, nines and tens or tens, <laughs> eight, nines and ones, <laughs> um, which I, I guess that points to like, um, maybe that would be a good thing uh, just to talk about briefly. Do, do you know why they cluster together like that? Like, like who did the, like whatever they did the numbering, why did they start with number eight as a one and then like go around so it would be right. So like, uh, that is something that can throw people off that it, the eight nines and ones go together and then it's two, three and four and then five, six and seven. Do you know why so, they're like that or is I do. So oh, because, I <laughs> because I've been studying the Enneagram for like four plus years, I yeah. know a lot of things about the deeper parts of like the origins of the Enneagram and like where it came from, like why it looks the way it does and like why it's set up that way. And actually it's, it's actually really important to understand like why the Enneagram is looking like this crazy diagram. Like what the heck does it mean? So I'm going to start with imagining a clock right? We can all picture a clock and there's, you know, nine, 12, it goes around to 11. Yeah. So the high number is at the top, right? It's at the top of it. So the nine is at the top. This isn't historical in any way, but I'm trying to paint a picture for you who don't know what the Enneagram looks like. If you've never seen what the Enneagram symbol is, Google it because you'll be able to pause the episode, go Google it. But if you're not, you're driving or you're cooking with your kids, or you're playing or doing something, imagine a clock. The nine is at the top, like the 12, and you work your way around one through eight. So the circle around the Enneagram is like the clock. It connects all of the types. So the idea of using the Enneagram system is to move away from our habitual patterns, to move towards the center. So if we're all trying to meet towards the center, we're all becoming like one another and understanding and giving each other grace and having compassion 
and letting the unhealthy behaviors that we keep falling victim to fall away. So this, the circle is connecting all of us together. It's a system. So the next part I want to talk about is there is a triangle that connects the nine, the three, and the six. I know this is getting the away from the conversation about the centers of intelligence, but this, is, this part's important. The nine is at the top. It's the center. So nine, the type nine, can look and take on characteristics. It almost looks like they can relate to each of the other types, so the other eight types. Nine sometimes have the hardest time finding what their type is because they can see the perspective of every single other type on the Enneagram. So that's important. We didn't talk about that last week, but because you brought this up, it's a really good place to talk about it. There's a triangle, nine's the top, the three's on the right, and the six is on the left. That is the center. That is the foundation of how the Enneagram is built. So last week, we briefly talked about how nine kind of sits on a fence and they can lean on either side of the fence. They're sitting on a fence. So you have the eight on the left and the, not, uh, the one on the right, if you're looking at the diagram of an Enneagram. So eights are expressive and they're loud and they like to voice their opinions and nines are in the middle. They're kind of center. The ones are more introverted. They're quietly like to internally process. They're on the other side of the spectrum. So the nines are in the middle. Eights are on the more extroverted, loud, outspoken, and ones are more introverted on the quieter side. And so if you were to rotate the triangle and move towards a three, which is what we're going to be talking about, the center of intelligence, the heart and the feeling center, the three is the center of that. So two are more outspoken. They're more extroverted. They're more social. Uh, the three are kind of in the center. They can lean towards that or they can lean towards being more introverted. The four is on the other side of it, on the right side, and they're more quiet and introverted and they, they sit with their feelings. And again, that's the same thing with the six, the five, six, and seven. So the five is more outspoken. They're super quiet. They're very introverted, but they, um, I mean, we could flip it. So the, the five and the seven, but it's very interesting because the five and seven are more introverted than the other types. The six is at the center of the five and the six. So one is more outspoken and one is more quiet. And so that's the center of the triangle. So if you look at it as a whole, understanding the centers of intelligence, the nine, the three, and the six are at the center of that intelligence center. So they can lean into being one way or lean into being the other way. And so we're going to talk more about that in much future episodes. Uh, they're what I would refer, refer to as the dominant center and the repressed center. And we'll talk about that in future episodes, but I'm trying to set the stage for understanding the dynamic of how the Enneagram is set up. Yeah, no, so, I think that's, that's super helpful. I think um, if, like you said, if you have not seen what the picture looks like, um, I think that description, you could have the possibility of being lost. So please go look up the, yes, like, just like yes. she said, just go Google it. Um, and actually I'm, I've got my book open. So I have the original, the, or the, the Rizzo and Hudson book, um, discovering your personality type and what they have is the, where they're showing the triads, their description of it, the, it shows the triangle. It shows the numbers, like it shows all the little connectors. Like they mm -hmm. have other ones where it's just basic, but this one shows all of those connectors. So look up the triad 
the triads of the Enneagram, that image that will like show all of it. And that'll give you a basic understanding of the Enneagram as a whole and why it's set up the way it is. There's a bunch of other funky lines that crisscross. That's the other movement, the other numbers that are in the triangle, the the nines, threes, and six. So the other numbers are the ones that move around in those funky arrows and lines. And you're like, what? I don't get this. That'll be fun to get to in the future. That's some of my favorite parts of understanding the Enneagram. So, okay. Thanks for letting me derail. Um, I knew we had the time to do it today. So. Well, I, I'm really we can put that little stuff in, I think is good. I, I honestly am really glad that you mentioned that because people are like, I don't what what is this thing? Like, it's just a bunch of funky numbers and circles and lines and like, what? I don't get it. So some of the types who are more analytical uh, are like, okay, tell me more about this. I want to know why this looks like this. And I think that's so fun to talk about. And please go Google an image of the Enneagram yeah. and the triads <laughs> because you'll be like, what did she just talk about? But really- yeah. You could just draw a circle, draw a triangle in the middle of the circle, and then you would be able to draw it. So when I work with clients, I teach them to draw the Enneagram on paper because then they can understand it because they're physically doing it. And so they can process it and they're like, oh, that's where that number goes. So when we get yeah. deeper and are doing that work, it's like, oh, that's what I need to focus on. Other types don't have to focus on other people's movements on the Enneagram. So it's really cool to talk about the system and the dynamic and the image of it because it's it yeah. is really neat so well, thank you thank you for letting me and thank you universe for letting me letting <laughs> me make that mistake which brought up the whole question so that's great um so let's so we're talking about the heart center today so we talked about the gut and what that means and how how those folks feel and experience things um, and what they struggle with or their core issues that they struggle with are uh, in them dealing with anger. So you gave a little teaser last week about the heart center and that we deal with shame. And I say we, because we are both Enneagram twos. Yes. Um, we show up differently <laughs> as Enneagram twos, um, which that's another thing for a future day and how we get into that. But, um, but we both function very much out of this center. So let's, let's talk about what that means and, and, um, why we, why shame is our, how we, how we handle shame and how that shows up for us. So types that aren't in this triad don't know what shame is because they don't dwell in it and they don't cycle in it every single day. So that's the first place I want to start with is shame is more about, I am bad, not I did something bad. So this is a difference. Brene Brown talks about this all the time. If you're interested in learning more, go listen to Brene Brown's, read her books, because she talks about the difference between feeling guilty about something and feeling shame. Shame is I am bad. I did something versus I did something bad. Like I am bad as a human, like the experiences I've had make me bad, make me toxic, make me unlovable are unsuccessful or not being unique. And that's that that's the place I want to segue is the twos really struggle with the shame piece differently than the other two types, the threes and the fours. Twos really struggle with shame because they feel like the things that they've experienced in life make them completely unlovable. Like these bad experiences that happen to them make it where nobody can love them again which is not true in any capacity. You and I both have done that work to realize like our love and our worth is not wrapped up in that, that no matter what we've experienced or any type has experienced, it doesn't define who you are. It's not about 
letting that control you, but twos let that shame control their life. So they, well, I was just going to say, if you listen to my story, I tied everything back to my self-worth and it's because I've struggled with it so much because of this piece as a two. Um, I've, you can listen to that to hear the journey of how I got through that, but it, yes, that, that like ties in. So I absolutely resonate with that. So I want to use the analogy of a roller coaster and type twos are, let me start with the type four, because I know we were talking about type two, but I want to use this analogy for a type four on a roller coaster. So type fours on this roller coaster of emotions, they get on the roller coaster and they get off the roller coaster, but it's, it's a, it's a fast, scary ride. And fours like to ride the roller coaster, like up and down, up and down. They are able to take the highs and the lows much easier because they're used to just being like their emotions go up and down. And, and if you know a type four, if you are a type four and you're listening, you understand that analogy very well because fours can sit with the deepest, darkest, hard emotions, the hardest things. And they can also sit with like the most exciting things, but typically they go up and down. So they're kind of riding the roller coaster up and down. And a lot of times they're just like, eh, you know, like, eh, this is just life. You know, they're more melancholy with things, but they're able to do that roller coaster ride. Threes are like, I just want to get on the roller coaster and stay on the high points. Like, I just want to ride. This is fun. This is exciting. Let me just achieve. Let me be successful. That I want everybody to see how good I am and how much I'm achieving in the world. And so they don't always like to go to those roller coaster dips, like the valleys, because they're like, I'm not achieving. People are going to think I'm terrible. Like I don't look successful. And type twos are kind of the ones who are also able to see the high points and the low points on the roller coaster, like when they're on the ride, but they kind of fluctuate where it's like, oh, I feel good. I need to go back up. I don't want to go back down. Okay. I'm down. Now I can go back up. Like they can sit on the roller coaster ride in a different way. And they're like, okay, I want my friends to come join me. Like, I want this to be an adventure and let's connect. Like, let's make this a social event. Like let's ride the roller coaster together. So they want to bring people on the ride. They do not want to ride the roller coaster themselves. They don't want to be in those deep, dark valleys alone. And they also don't want to be on the top of the mountain of the roller coaster ride by themselves. Well, and I think, um, this, and this is all about emotions because this Mm -hmm. gut center or not gut center, this heart center is about feeling, um, where the heart center is feeling so much, um, that we feel it in our hearts. Um, yeah. And that's why I wanted to give a visual for people to understand. Cause like last week we talked about the body center. So it's hard to describe the heart center. If you're not in the heart center, because if you don't feel emotions, the way two, threes, and fours take in that information, yeah, it's hard to explain the feeling center. And that's why I like using this example, because people can imagine a roller coaster of emotions. You're up yeah. and then you're down, you're up and you're down. And twos want to ride the roller coaster with friends. They want to have people in their corner. They want to have people rallying for them. They want to have that support. They don't want to do it alone. If they're doing it alone, they're miserable and it's terrible. And they're just like, they're on the ride and they can't get off. Like they just don't know how to stop. They can't get off the ride no matter what they do. They're like, oh yeah, I'm going to keep riding. Somebody's watching and somebody's there. Like, I'm just going to keep doing this thing. At threes, 
their roller coaster of emotions, they just want to be on the high points of that roller coaster. Like they don't want to go to those low points because they're afraid to look deeper because they're, they aren't in tune with their emotions. So they, they feel all the things, but they don't stay there. They don't sit there. They don't process it. Where fours on the roller coaster are like, oh yeah, we're in the high point. Now we're in the low point. And they're, they, their attitude is about the same whether on the top of the roller coaster or at the bottom of the roller coaster. Yeah, fours can very much like sink into that. Like, okay, I'm going to feel this. This is hard, but I'm going to, I'm going to feel all of it. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because whether they're at the bottom of the roller coaster or they're riding to the top, it looks the same externally. Like other people are like, oh, well, why aren't you so happy about that? Why are you so sad about that? Like, it's more of like a, plateau for them but they can experience the highs and the lows of emotion so hopefully that's helpful to hear that example (laughs) yeah um talking about emotions for this heart center for people who aren't in the heart center is really challenging because if you're not in tune with your emotions it can be a challenge to access them you're like why do I need feelings what are they for like I don't need to feel that and two threes and fours feel all the things twos need to verbalize their feelings to move through them twos have to have a a support system (laughs) they they need to have a support system that they can trust because if they share something of somebody that they can't trust and that person breaks their trust they're like nope I'm not telling anybody and then they don't get the help that they need and so they really need to verbalize in order for them to work through their emotions and get to the thinking part of things and like make decisions. They need to be able to have a safe place to verbalize those emotions. Threes feel all the things, but they're like, I'm setting those aside. They detach from the emotions. They're like, nope, I don't need to have emotions with this. I just need to think and I need to move and I need to do the next thing. I'll deal with these emotions later. And a lot of times they get pushed aside and they don't get looked at. And unfortunately, sometimes they build up and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like I need to deal with those things. Like threes, when they experience like a failure in their life, whether it's their job or something that happens to them, that's when they're like, oh, I have all these emotions about this thing that didn't go well. Yeah. That's where that shame piece comes in for threes Mm -hmm. is related to failure the way I understand it. Yeah. Uh, fours are a little different. They, again, we talked about how like one number leans really heavily into expressing outwardly one kind of in the middle, uh, the four is on the extreme side of internal processing. So they, they internalize all of their emotions. They're not one to want to talk about their emotions. They need time to process them. And so typically fours are more introverted threes and twos are more extroverted uh, twos can be introverted, but typically they're more extroverted because they need that social aspect and be able to verbalize things to get to the deeper part. The interesting part about fours is they can go really deep in emotions. So it's almost like fours need to ride the roller coaster by themselves and then have a support system on the side that says, I'm here for you when you get off the roller coaster. This emotional up and down roller coaster, I'm here. I have the support. Like they're on the roller coaster ride and they can see their support mm-hmm. system standing at the bottom for when they get off the ride. It's like going to a fair and seeing your people down there and they're like, oh yeah, I got my people, but they don't want to process that with those people until they're ready. Yeah. So 
if there's anything you want to add to my crazy roller coaster analogy to help describe <laughs> the two, threes, and fours, because it really is a challenge to describe this triad to people who yeah. aren't in it. Well, I remember last week you said some things about anger and I was like, oh gosh, I don't really experience it that way. And it reminded me of when I learned, I remember learning about as a two, now twos are, twos are it, it more like the most in tune with other mm, people's yes. emotions. So where like the four is very much like internalized in their emotions twos are very aware of other people's emotions and like taking that on. So like, <laughs> like I, when I think about the roller coaster, like I think in a healthy space, we're like wanting to bring people along with us. And I think sometimes we just are along the ride in other people's emotions, whether we oh, want to or not. So good because we feel it. Like I remember, um, I remember, I, I can't remember where I was that I had this revelation, but somebody else told, you know, we were talking about emotions and it clicked in my head that nobody, that, that other people don't automatically walk into a room. And I know I've shared this before, um, yes. but th they don't walk into a room and feel everyone's emotions in the room, but that is not, that's not a common thing. Like, but I felt, I've always felt it so, so deep and so present that when I walk into a room, like I, I couldn't even fathom the fact that other people might not have that same experience. Like, well, what do you mean you can't feel other people's emotions when you walk into the room? Like that's, that's how deeply ingrained it is in me. Um, and so I think that's like, if you, if you aren't in this group, um, if you aren't in the, the heart center, that, that may be something that kind of helps to let it resonate that there are, that, that it's not just, emotions because X, Y, or Z happens. So we're experiencing this emotion. It's, it's that it, it kind of radiates every single thing in our life. So like whatever, like if, you know, I imagine the folks that are in the, the gut center where they, they're kind of like dealing with, um, you know, the, the, they, they feel things from within, like from their gut, they just know something and it's just in there and they can feel it in their body. Like, I don't, I'm not that in tune with my body in that way, but I am that in tune with my emotions. So like, if that resonated with you, you could maybe put yourself in, in the heart center shoes by thinking like, if, if I could access my emotions the same way that I can access how I feel about my gut or like, I imagine next week, how people can access yes. their, their thinking, their head, um, that that could maybe help be a way to help to begin to understand <laughs> like where you fall on the system of the Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I guess, because I live in the space of it too, you and I both live in that space. Yeah. When I was talking about the two's trip on the roller coaster, it's like, they're going on a roller coaster. Like they're not willing to get on the roller coaster by themselves. So like they are inviting other people, but once they're on the roller coaster ride, whatever feelings of that person that they're sitting on the roller coaster with are the ones that they are experiencing. And they think that they're their own experience. So yeah. Say you're on this roller coaster ride with somebody who's having a blast and they're just having so much fun. You're like, oh my God, this is so much fun, but you're scared what? to death, right? What happens when you get on a roller coaster ride with somebody who's terrified? You're like, oh my God, I'm afraid. Oh my God. Like all of a sudden, like twos experience the emotions of other people. So they don't have access to their own emotions. And so that's, that's the work of it too. We didn't really talk about the work of a three or the four, but 
twos feel all the things of other people. So if you're on a roller coaster ride and you're experiencing these emotions that we're talking about, check yourself. Are you really happy where you're at right now? Are you really sad? Are you just okay? And it's okay if you're not at any of those things. And it was like, you want to be happy and you're really feeling sad and you're just kind of putting on, getting on the roller coaster ride to experience the happiness because the other people in your life are happy. That's okay. You may not be happy or you may not be sad. Like to experience your own emotions for a two is really hard. So hopefully that clarifies my example. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, um, I think that points out that the folks that I imagine this is kind of across the board for all the folks in the, the heart center is that, that we have a need to be alone, um, away from other people that is possibly different than what other people experience because we, especially as twos, but I think this probably applies maybe across the board some that because we are so in tune to our feelings and to others' feelings that, um, that we may need to find that self, that kind of, or isolation is the word that's coming to my head, but that time to ourselves to be able to really know like, oh, that's how I'm feeling about that. Um, because otherwise we kind of always lean into other people. Maybe I'm talking more about twos than just about the, the heart center in general, but I think that you are, but to clarify that a little bit more for each of the other types in the heart center is twos need space to self-support themselves because if not, they're self-supporting other people. And I like to talk about it that way is if you know, like you're feeling it in your body or you're feeling overwhelmed, you're experiencing resentment or you're feeling shame. I know it's scary to put yourself like in your own room or go on a walk or do something, but twos really need their own space. They need to learn how to self-support because support looks like self-supporting other people. And they, they put themselves at the bottom of the list. Some other types do that too, but that's not the point of today's talk. Threes keep themselves busy because they don't want to look at their emotions. They can feel all the emotions in the room or wherever they are, but they put them aside. They don't sit with them. They don't hold on to them. They don't carry them around like twos do. They don't carry them around in a, in a backpack of like, let me carry everybody's sad emotions or all the happy emotions. So when I need them, I can access them. Threes just kind of set them aside. Like they know they're there, but they don't feel like they're important to bring to the table. Fours bring them along, but they are just dwelling in them. And they're just like looking at it constantly. And so fours need to kind of like interact and kind of put themselves out there and have a support system and confide in other people or themselves in a journal, you know, like get it out of your physical being and put it on paper or talk about it, talk about it with a confidant and express it. And that's like the difference of each of the types is like the, this movement of growth, right. Of being able to reach for different things and break the cycle of these old habitual patterns, these, these places that we fall victim to, or these places when we sit in this valley, those are the things that we're having to kind of move away from. So we talked, we've talked a lot about the feeling, um, just thinking about what we talked about last week with, um, the gut center and how they deal with anger. I think we should probably explore a little bit more about the shame piece with twos, threes, and fours. Um, like, I feel like I have questions about that. So how does, how does shame, I, I think you've touched on this a little bit, but I'd love to dive, in, dive into it a little bit deeper to understand it more fully. 
how does shame show up for each of those types differently? Like what, what is their, what does their shame spiral look like? Like we know we all go into one, but what does it look like for a two versus a three versus a four? So a two shame cycle will be looking like um, putting everybody else first and not dealing with things that they know they should be dealing with because it's too scary. So the shame is like, I've experienced these bad things. I can't talk about them. Nobody's going to understand me. Um, it's too shameful. I'll just hide them. Let me just ask people how they're doing. So twos, when they're unhealthy, they ask, they, they pick up the phone, they call people, they stay busy. They're like, Oh, I want to connect. Let me check on these people because they, they know, and they can see those needs of other people, but they can't see their own needs. So it's like a way of pushing it aside. Yeah. So their shame comes from not being able to recognize their own pitfalls. So the shame cycle is like, they know they need to look deeper but they're not willing to because it's too scary. So they distract themselves by checking on other people because they're really good at knowing the needs, meeting the needs and knowing the needs of other people. And that makes them feel good because they're like, oh, I'm being helpful, but they're not helping themselves. Yeah. Threes are sitting in a shame cycle because they know something is wrong but they don't know what it is. They can't identify it. They, they know maybe something changed for them or maybe they experienced a failure, like a loss of a job or maybe they've been working on something and it failed or they in, invested in a relationship and it fell apart. That's typically when they feel the shame because they're like, well, I've been giving all this time and effort to my job or to this relationship or to whatever, fill in the blank. And now I feel shame because I've spent all my time chasing after this thing and it didn't work. They were trying to achieve and it didn't come to be. And it could be achieving in anything and and building the best relationship, building the best business, building the best family. It's like, uh, like the Joneses you're, you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and being competitive and seeing successful, even though things may not look that great. They put on this facade of like, everything is great. But deep down inside, they know it's not, but they don't feel like they have a a place to put those emotions. They don't know where to put that shame because they feel like it's too much for other people. And that two, threes, and fours kind of feel that. And other types feel that in different ways. Like they're too much in in their own way. Mm. Fours, um, Fours are a little different with the shame because they want to be seen as different and they know that they're unique but their shame comes from knowing that there's something missing so they're almost chasing after something that they know deep down in them that something is missing so they're always chasing after like I'm not enough I am not different enough I need to um, fulfill something that's not fulfillable So they're always wanting to chase after this uniqueness of like, they're already so unique. Like each of us are gifted, you know, different skills and different pitfalls. And even though any, no matter where you fall in the Enneagram, each of us have those things and we're all unique. There's nobody else on this planet that looks like you, talks like you, speaks like you, shows up like you, you know, Yeah. but fours focus on that and because they, they feel shame because they're not different enough where nobody can understand them. Like no matter what, I've been through all these really hard things. Nobody's gonna understand me. 
And so that brings them shame because no matter how hard they try to get other people to understand, nobody will ever understand. And that's a very true statement. Nobody is really ever fully going to truly understand you, no matter what type you are, because your experience of life is unlike nobody else. You may have similarities. You may walk through situations like you and I both walk through divorce. We're both co-parented, right? We experience and live those out based on other things that we've experienced in life. And we show up in different ways. We're healthy or then we're leaning into being unhealthy because somebody triggered us. And so like the two, threes and fours really struggle with the shame piece because they feel like they are inherently bad because of these emotions, because their, their emotions are too much or they don't know how to deal with them. They don't want to access them. Like they have them, they want to express them, but Typically people don't like when people showing emotions. Like if you can imagine yourself in a job and you start crying for no reason, well, nobody wants, let's see, that's being seen as weak, right? So what if you do cry and you can't control those emotions? Now you feel shame because you've expressed something, but you're not supposed to do that. So hopefully that clarifies the shame piece and uh, really under gives the dynamic for those who aren't in the heart triad a deeper view of looking in on the world of people who, who see the world through emotion. So I can sit down and watch a movie, a really happy movie. And all of a sudden I feel happy. I can watch a really sad movie and start crying for no reason. And I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling the emotions of the movie of the thing. Yeah. It's put me in that place. You know, people so, always used to ask me why I don't want to watch, you know, like a suspenseful movie or a horror movie or something like that. I'm like, I get too emotionally invested. Yes. I don't, I don't want to, I'm going to feel it. Like if it's scary, I'm going to feel scared. I can't just watch it as an observer without it, without experiencing that emotion. And, um, I mean that, it's a beautiful thing in a lot of areas of my life, but it's, it's also something that is really challenging in other areas and, mm-hmm. um, and movies It just, I just don't, I don't really watch a lot of movies because I, I have to know that whatever emotions getting thrown at me, <laughs> then that's what I'm going to experience. So a lot of times like, I have to know what it is that I'm going to watch. I got to Google it and figure it out. And like, I don't care about spoilers. <laughs> like, I need all of that. <laughs> that clarified for me ahead of time. Like, what am I going to go through watching this movie? (laughs) Oh, it's a happy one. Great. I can, I'll sit down and watch that all day long. (laughs) So I think the last piece that we could, and and we could wrap up here if you want. Um, But basically uh, choose when they experience those emotions of others. Again, they're not really experiencing their own emotions. Like that's where the deeper work from a two comes from is one, being able to identify like, what are your emotions versus what other people's or emotions are. But when twos feel those really happy emotions or a really, uh, let me speak to the sad emotions. So like, say you're around people who are really sad. They, when they leave that space, they carry those. Yeah. They don't leave them there at the door. They carry them with, they go and like twos really struggle with letting those emotions go. And then it, it overflows into the rest of their life. And they're like, man, why do I feel so sad and, and down? Like, I don't understand this. So a healthy space for a two would start, you know, kind of start surrounding yourself with people who are uh, happier and, and more upbeat and healthier because it will help you move towards the healthy space. And that kind of goes for the threes and the fours too, is surrounding yourself with people who are achieving more or trying to be more successful, not in a competition competition way, 
but like being the best version of you are. And force could reach and, and want to surround themselves with people who are more creative and um, getting out of their comfort zone and being spontaneous and doing things that are different because being different in a group of different people allows you to like learn new things about yourself that maybe you didn't do or try things. Fours are like hesitant of, of doing things that are different outside their comfort zone because they're afraid of that shame piece of like, you're not good enough or you're so different, you're not accepted. Yeah. And so it, it, it really shows up like last week, we talked about the eight, nines and ones, how they each show up two, threes and fours really show up with emotions in completely different ways. And they experience shame in very different ways. That is so fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I think we've uh, hit the end here with uh, two threes and fours, or at least for today, <laughs> there's so much more, um, but let's, um, Next time, we're going to be talking about the head center. So that's our five, sixes, and seven. So um, we hope that you'll tune in next week to, to talk about them and, and to see where how they experience the world and how they um, how they show up in different places. It's, um, so we are so grateful that you've taken the time to listen with us today. And we look forward to catching you next time. And we would love to connect with you guys on the socials because we would love to know like how this is resonating with you, what type you might be feeling, what questions you have. Like we're here to give you not only just great content, but really help you move the needle in your life in a way that helps you experience healing and transformation. Awesome. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. Thank you. We are so grateful that with all of the choices of where you could have spent your time today, that you joined us. If you enjoyed what you listened to, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at Voice Your Brave Story on Facebook and Instagram. And it would also mean the world to us if you would give us a five-star rating on the platform that you found us on. Nothing helps to spread the word more than when people share about what they love. Thank you so much for joining us. In the meantime, remember, your brave story matters. Voice it.